0: Today's episode of The Aggressive Life has adult themes and adult content. We're in the midst of trying times. The coronavirus is continuing to spread and more areas are being affected, but this isn't a time to run and hide. Aggressive people are forged by fire and make no mistake about it, we're in the fight and in the fire right now. This is a special bonus episode meant to encourage and steal you toward healthy aggression when the world needs it most. My name is Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. This is Brian Tome, your host today. And we are actually recording in-house via Zoom, so the quality might be a little different because here in ohio we're on lockdown status right now we're about halfway through the lockdown and you know we could talk about coronavirus on and on and on we've all got our news source for coronavirus but we're, we're going to do something that's even a little more unusual than coronavirus we're going to talk about sex yes sex We're going to go there right now. You should at least be glad this is a podcast and not a video program. wouldn't be prepared for that, but we're going to talk sex because sometimes we need some normalcy in the midst of utterly abnormal times, and sex is a relatively normal thing for human beings, and you actually might be finding that uh, sexual tensions are running higher in the midst of your household. And so, uh, while I'm in, in a house full of people who are quarantined together, we've got our microphone out. Apologize for any the sound quality isn't right. But I'll tell you what, I'm very confident today. The content quality is going to be spot on because I don't believe that we're talking sex the way we should. And I say we, those of us who want to have healthy lives. I say we, those of us who want to stop just doing what everybody else is doing. I say we, those of us who want the best life possible. And that means we've got to have some proper, values, and actions around sex. We're talking today with the founder of Cincinnati's first and only sex therapy group practice, working to promote healthy sexuality and amazing intimate relationships. Her expertise and wisdom, I think, is going to change some lives today. And so welcome to The Aggressive Life, Emma Schmidt.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being had, Emma. Let's start off with (laughs) The obvious question here, what causes someone to choose sex therapy as a occupation?
1: Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, whenever I was um, in college, I noticed that. So I went to a Christian university and I noticed that there were a lot of people who had a number of different questions. Now, girls who were looking at porn and not having resources for that or Um, people who were Christians who wanted to know if they could have sex um, when they were in a committed relationship and why that wasn't able to happen to why we needed to shut down our sexual arousal and wait until marriage. And um, so I thought this was really interesting and I just found it fascinating and realizing there is neglect in this area specifically for Christians um, in terms of professional help. So um, that led me to Part of why I got into it, part personal history with finding out that there isn't a lot of care sexually out there for people. Um, husband and I got married. We were so excited because we hadn't had intercourse before. And whenever we got married, um, we knew that it could potentially hurt the first time. But what happened was we went on this three-year-long journey of not being able to have intercourse. Oh my gosh. Well, and not finding- Stop right there. Stop
0: right there. Why? Why would that be? I have some creative ideas as to why that could be. I, something tells me that's not accurate. Why could you not have intercourse for three years?
1: So we had. Well, I had this thing called vaginismus, where the pelvic floor area becomes contracted enough that it leads to either intercourse being difficult or um, impossible. So um, we didn't know what kind of doctors to seek out, therapists didn't really know where to send us, and um, so it led us on this very long journey of trying to figure out how to be creative sexually when intercourse wasn't possible, and also having to build my own resources around our relationship, realizing um, there needs to be, especially in the Cincinnati area. So it continued my development with wanting to help out this community.
0: So is how is business?
1: Business is always great.
0: It is. So the sex therapy business is a good business to be in.
1: It is. Yes, it is. I think um, we're still in a, especially here in the Bible Belt area, we're, we're in a place where we're trying to teach people what sex therapy is and what it's not. Uh, I moved out to Boston for a little while just to understand what it looks like to engage in sex therapy from more progressive cultures and then move back to see and um, the clientele and the culture is just so different. So a lot of it's just being leaning into what um, Cincinnati is looking for and needing, being sensitive to their needs and uh, educating. a lot.
0: So what's different. the difference between someone who has sex in Boston and someone who has sex in Cincinnati? I, I, the same things are going inside the same places, right?
1: Yeah. Maybe more people than here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that right? Boston is having more <laughs> sex than Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, they tend to be a little bit more, um, they have more open relationships, a lot more um, kinks and fetishes that are being talked about, I should say. So here, I don't really hear as much of that, um, but it's definitely more open. There's less, I I hear, I heard more, uh, less sexual shame out in Boston here. It's just, it's sexual shame after sexual shame um, in terms of religious shame. Uh, So it's dramatically different in terms of the clientele we would see.
0: What do you mean by that? That there's a lot of sexual shame that's brought into relationships
1: so sexual so if we break down guilt and shame so some people intertwine the two guilt and shame guilt is um i did a bad thing like let's say some people were related to masturbation i masturbated and masturbation is wrong shame is i'm a bad person for masturbating so There's a lot of that. A lot of I'm a bad person because I'm not having sex with my partner. I'm a bad person because I masturbated. I'm a bad person because I looked at porn. I'm a bad person because um, I'm not having sex as frequently as my neighbor's having sex.
0: Okay. How, How do you see our culture hurting us as it relates to sex? Not the sex conversation, the sex itself.
1: Well, I think there's definitely this piece of entertainment for sex. So if we talk about pornography, pornography is hundred percent for entertainment. So if we look at culture, I think that there's there's definitely a lot of sex that um, we're trying to model ourselves after when it's supposed to be meant for entertainment. And so it skews up our idea of how we relate to one another. And so we're seeing in relationships that culture is really getting in the way of us experiencing intimacy and connection and bonding. And instead we're seeing more performance-based sex in the relationship. Um, so we're trying to get to an area of redefining sex, challenging cultural, what culture is teaching us or has taught us about sex in terms of performance, um, and entertainment and trying to get back to how can you connect with your partner? How can you be intimate with your partner? How can you get to know your partner? How can you experience pleasure versus what we would say, like, um, what's called PIV, penis and vagina orgasm? Mm or objectifying sex how do I connect with my partner and have a relationship with them
0: what's performance-based sex
1: performance-based sex is uh typically what you hear is like I'm just getting it over with like I'm just taking it so performance of man has an erection I stick it in my partner typically he has an orgasm and then it's done like a two-minute situation
0: so, like myself, for instance, for example, maybe,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: See, this, is, this is great. See, I, I lured you here to have a podcast, but little do you know, I'm looking from I'm looking for real life sex therapy to me. So, yeah. that, and not paying for it. So that that's really what I want.
1: Great. Uh, I'm glad I could be a, a benefit.
0: Well, you're not benefiting me yet, but I'm hoping you benefit <laughs> me before before our time is over. I, I gotta I gotta confess, I am definitely one of the slow kids as it relates to sex. And when mm-hmm. I mean slow, I mean, if you take a look at my life, the majority of my life has been dissatisfaction with sex.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: my wife would say, as long as she'd been married with me, probably dissatisfaction with sex. I, um, you know, in my twenties, I was just raging hormone just couldn't stop thinking about sex, whatever it was, and was a selfish lover in my marriage. Just probably incredibly thankful that in my 20s, if you wanted porn, you had to actually walk inside a store and come out with the magazine inside of a brown bag. Yeah. You know, just awful, just awful stuff. So I was. My wife is looking at me right now. See, we're we're we're. Maybe I should bring my wife in. I'm, I'm recording <laughs> this quarantine in my house. My wife just. We're having a discussion with the sex therapist. telling that's the next podcast Aggressive Life. Could you pick that yeah, up? Maybe
1: you could, could ask you her that? what might feel dissatisfying within the sexual the sex life for her. And, and maybe
0: yeah. I could ask you. The sex therapist says, "What has felt dissatisfying to you?" Come down here closer to the microphone. Sweetie. Wow.
1: Um. <laughs>
2: Oh, boy. Bri- so, Brian told you he was a virgin when we got married.
0: Well, I, I, I haven't gotten that far. All no. I've gotten the far is in my 20s, I just was a hormone ball and was thankful that you couldn't do pornography easy access in my 20s. So, I, I was talking about, I, I said that I've been, most of my life, I've been sexually frustrated. I, just, I don't think I've done the right things or been in the right place, space sexually. That's what I've said.
2: Right. Is it, is it, does this get edited? Yes, this does get edited, yes. <laughs> okay. um, so f- for me, because I was not a virgin, when I got married, I had already an idea in my head how sex should be. Mm-hmm. And Brian just had no idea. And I didn't feel comfortable being... Was such a touchy subject, right? I didn't feel comfortable being... Like the coach, um, so I just kind of took what I could get, and it. Oh, this is awkward.
1: <laughs>
0: it's called so, the aggressive life. Oh, it's, oh so it's, all right.
1: it's not easy for anyone to talk about this. Um, so
2: even just uh, our, you
1: know, our
2: firstborn child, it was. We always laugh because. He says it's my fault. It was just, your fault. It was not my fault. He, <laughs> this is so
0: awkward.
2: <laughs> just you, called, you walked down here. You okay, came I'm in just here. So glad it's gonna be edited. So this is like lying. Um, I, like he just he just would go so quickly, and I was like, well, "What is that? Like that?" you know, doing the pull and pray method, right?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. That, was so was like, your, that was why it was your fault. You were, on no! top. you were on top. You didn't get off. I told you I thought off.
2: You <laughs> off. It was like not <laughs> even for a second. I'm like, no. Uh, it was at least five. Jeez. So that that kind of gives you my sexual frustrations over the years. And, it, and like the older he gets, kind of the better it's, it is because he, um,
0: it can last one Last longer, yeah. Well, that was my yeah. story about my sexual frustration. So that was twenties, you know, the, that extreme. And then, and then, I mean, you get to be, you know, fifty-four, and sex just mm-hmm. is not that important to me. I know it's important for my wife and I to connect physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and sex is a key part of it. So it's it's a discipline. But it's like, you know, here again, I'm I'm where I am right now. It's just not that important to me, and it's and it's actually more difficult because the blood flow is less, right? So, yeah. so are, t- are we normal? Are we weird? Uh, uh, is, there, is there a quick fix to someone like us? Is this part of the sexual conversation that a lot of people are having? Um, talk to us, Emma Schmidt, yeah. sex therapist. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I think you're in a normal phase of life, right? Like your kids, are all of your kids out of the house now? Yes. Yeah. So it's, Well, they're not out of the not- house right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're not,
0: they're not out of the house right now. They're all here right now for two weeks. Every okay. last freaking one of them and their spouse and grandkid.
1: Well, I think this is an interesting time because you're used to raising a family. You have people all around you. You're busy, right? And so even taking time to stop and slow down and experience and explore and appreciate each other. I mean, you've been married how long?
0: 32 years.
1: Yeah, so that's a long time to be having sex and quick sex, let's say. So
0: <laughs> easy, easy. Come on now. I'm burying my soul, and now you're demeaning me in front of the entire nation.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, so this time is really interesting because I think it's a great time to check in with each other and find out, you know, like in our season of life right now, what are you needing? And, and it's okay to not need or want sex right now. Yeah. In the Bible, it says, uh, maybe in Corinthians where it talks about having frequent sex and that that be good. That's out of a way of, there's a certain connection that happens when you're sexually engaged that doesn't happen in any other type of intimate experience, right? It's a deeper level. And so to just have that performance-based sex isn't really going to provide you with that, I think, what the intention of connecting and bonding would do. So I think having that space to slow everything down and slow your body, like she was saying, um, I feel like I wasn't able to coach him. Being able to say, like, how would you coach me during this time? What do you want? What would be interesting if I could just focus on you right now? And sometimes that's too difficult to say because it's really vulnerable, And it's um, embarrassing for a lot of people. So I think it's important to slow everything down and explore and experiment and to find out like, where are we in this season of life? What are we needing? And if it's not that frequent, that's okay too. That's just where we are.
0: Yeah. So much of life is backwards, right? Like when we need the big house, we don't have the money. You Mm -hmm. know, our kids are little, we need a bigger house. When we don't need the big house, we have the money. Um, when I needed to be able to have that kind of conversation or hear something like that from my wife in my twenties, I could not have heard something like that from her without, without feeling defensive or something like that. Now, you know, I can take that, uh, and apply it, but I'm less apt to apply it. Cause I'm, I'm less apt to have go time now than I was before, you know, it's so reverse. Are there any patterns that you're seeing, like when someone comes into your office What are the trends that you're seeing? Because maybe as you knock off some of those trends, some of us will feel a bit less shame because we'll feel like, well, maybe I'm not the only one.
1: Yeah. The biggest piece that I'm seeing is anxiety. Anxiety has shown up so much in terms of sexual dysfunction, especially for men. I've been seeing, so I've been... this for 10 years now and and the increase of anxiety has just increased so much, especially in younger men. And um, we used to think of erectile dysfunction as it's a blood flow problem, but really it can be, um, once that happens, once it creates this like ego state in us, like, is it going to happen again? I'm fearing my nervous system starts to get engaged. And so it's locking up my pelvic floor and it's um, challenging for me not to get an erection. So, um, I think anxiety is huge, not only for men, but also for women. So for women, what we find is that, um, many women were taught, don't be sexual. Um, you're a slut or a whore or your genitals are to be private. So I'll meet women who are in their sixties and seventies who have never seen their vulvas before. So, um, What happens is if I'm taught that parts of my body are wrong or that sex is wrong or that I shouldn't feel aroused, then what happens is it translates to the rest of my body. My mind signals to the rest of my body, shut this off. It's not okay. If I start to feel desire that I want to have sex or someone feels attractive to me, then what happens is I lock up my body and say, no, you're not supposed to feel that. And what happens is in the pelvic floor, so the pelvic floor is um, from your pubic bone all the way to like your lower back, it makes a hammock and there's a muscle there called the PC muscle. So if I'm thinking about, oh, I'm not supposed to be engaged sexually, I unintentionally squeeze that pelvic floor area. And then whenever I go to have sex, um, there are all these different types of sexual dysfunctions that happen. So whether it's vaginismus, like locking up, whether it's orgasmic problems because it's hard for me to release control, what happens is this mind-body connection that I see showing up in my office due to earlier messages or due to um, this shame response that they've gotten earlier in life or um, from their partners.
0: Maybe the most aggressive move to make is have a conversation with our spouse or yeah. what would that look like? Can you give me what would an opening line be to have a conversation that could be a difficult conversation?
1: So I think, I always tell my couples, um, make space for it. Typically people have these conversations in a state of frustration, so that's not gonna be helpful because nobody's really listening in that time. But schedule it, make some space for it. Say, hey, I wanna take an hour to talk about our sex life and this is really important to me. So make space for it, sit down and then talk about, how are you feeling about our sex life? What are you needing? What works for you? What do you like sexually about what we're doing? What's been your favorite sexual experience we've had? What do you fear about sex? what's a fantasy you've had about us that you've never told me before? Um, what kind of pain do you have? Maybe that different one, what
0: kind of pain,
1: what kind of pain? Yeah. So some people, a lot of women are experiencing pain, but don't tell their partners because they just want to get through it. And so um, a good check-in is, are you experiencing pain that you haven't told me about? Or um, what do you want to do that we've never done before that you've been interested in? The big piece here is creating a space that's non judgmental where your partner can listen in a way that is um, remaining curious, validating, empathizing with what you're saying so that your partner can be vulnerable. And Renee Brown talks about vulnerability and how challenging it is to be vulnerable, and these conversations are incredibly vulnerable. If you're vulnerable, um, you could be rejected or put down for what you're saying, or you could be accepted and that brings you closer to intimacy. And intimacy is about knowing and being known. So these conversations are incredibly vulnerable. You're trying to put yourself out there, hoping that you're not gonna be judged, hoping that your partner's gonna sit there and be receptive to what you're saying, hoping that it then leads to a, a, a closer bond or intimate connection between the two. So
0: so my, I guess my hope for this, podcast is I'm just hoping to stimulate you with information that you wouldn't normally get. I'm I'm looking to encourage you to be able to have conversations with the person you're with that you might not normally have. Mm -hmm. Like, man, I got to tell you, Emma, as I interact with younger guys, I am like concerned, hyper, hyper concerned about where our culture is going. Mm -hmm. I, I see younger guys, just do not have the confidence or competence, either one, to actually ask her a lot. I'm not even talking about having sex with her. I'm just talking about talking to a girl, a real live woman, actually going out and holding her hand, having a conversation. I see that. I see the, as we used to rail on, on pornography, of course, pornography has a lot of evils to it. I don't want to go there. We've all heard those things many, many, many times, but then- just where the where the robot sex is going, mm-hmm. where that's happening, the companies that are coming along. I, I mean, I'm seeing a day when many guys are going to choose to never have sex with a woman, or at least not in a relational sense, because it's just too hard and too stressful.
1: Right now, it's changing because of COVID 19, where people are actually connecting and being more intimate. I think we're seeing that already, which is pretty cool. Prior to this. Um, People are scared to interact with other people. There's this, there's that vulnerability piece. Like I fear I could be rejected and that's too scary for me. So I would rather go do this other thing that where I know that I'm accepted like with a sex doll or by myself, which just leads to isolation and disconnects you from people, disconnects you from intimacy, disconnects you from being known because being known feels scary. And so it's easier to not be judged um, because the world is already judging me. And it feels like too much to, um, achieve this instagram worthy person that i would rather just be by myself
0: emma it's time for the lightning round it's time for the lightning round podcast this is where i give you a sentence and you answer it can you give brief sex answers we will see <laughs> here we go lightning round here we go finding time for sex with a house full of kids
1: pass I'm just kidding, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> know that this is a season of life. Um, create a schedule where you're meeting after the kids go to bed, drink some caffeine and at least connect, talk, be intimate. It doesn't have to be sex.
0: Overcoming an affair.
1: Counseling. <laughs> you're not broken, This is, you can heal from this, whether you're the partner or the one who's um, been in doing the affair but know that um, there can actually be some really amazing things that can come out of this and even a closer partnership spouse if you're in a relationship.
0: Sex when you're not in the mood
1: uh, Don't have sex <laughs> or talk to your partner about what would help you get in the mood or tell your partner what would help you get in the mood
0: yeah this is this is a tough one it's, it's a tough one because I mean, you ladies, it's a lot easier for you guys to perform if you're not in the mood. I mean, physically perform. I don't mean emotionally perform, but physically. True. But, but as guys, like, we got to have physical things happen, you know, traditional to traditional things. So uh, it's, sex is very complicated, isn't it? It, it? it taps into our full humanity.
1: I think we just need to redefine what sex is. It's not always erect penis, too.
0: Oh, good. Expand Expand our horizons.
1: I mean, you can, if you don't have an erection, your partner can still explore it. It's still worth exploring and touching. And um, you still have sensations and nerves there that feel pleasurable, even if you're not getting an erection and an orgasm, that's still worth connecting over.
0: Absolutely. But at the same time, it can be a very uh, deflating thing to a woman to not have her lover be aroused physically. That can be deflating. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. They can take it personally. And, um, but there are other ways to like asking your partner how they want to be stimulated or if you bring in toys or, but yeah, it can definitely, um, it can be challenging and difficult when your partner's not aroused.
0: For our single people is abstinence possible?
1: Yeah, it is. I think it's about the heart of it though. If I want people to be more curious around why they're being abstinent. I don't want you to shut down your arousal system. It's okay to be aroused. Like God gave you those pleasures. Experience that if you believe in God. Um, but I think it's, I think you can be abstinent. I want you to check in with your heart and be curious around why you've met, where that belongs to you, where those messages came from.
0: Amount of sex a married couple should be having.
1: Uh, it depends on how much you want to be having talk to each other. What works for you? How can you come together and talk about what's going to work? Sometimes that's once a month. Sometimes that's every other day, but it's going to look different based on your partner. Secret
0: things a man can do to please his wife physically that he might not be doing.
1: We'll talk to her and ask her what those things would be <laughs> because every woman experiences it differently. And so what we find is that um, men will get into, stereotypically, men will, men will get into a relationship and start doing what they've heard is good or what they've experienced with past partners. So um, explore her body, get to know her, ask her questions, um, but take it slow unless she wants it fast.
0: I was going to ask the same thing on the opposite gender. You would say the same thing to women about men? You would say- yeah. So really there, there's no there's no like hey uh, come on you're a sex therapist Emma come on therapize us you keep going to philosophical things which is okay are you telling me that there's a good play I can make that works with nine out of ten women or my wife can make that works with nine out of ten guys
1: let's say the thing that doesn't work for women is just going to her clitoris for nine out of 10 women, so don't do that, (laughs) play around. For men, what I find is that they wanna be pursued in a really physical way, so the stereotypical, where they wanna be grabbed, or they wanna be pursued in a more aggressive way, Um, where they don't necessarily wanna be teased, but I think the downfall that many women don't realize is that people say the, the penis isn't that complicated, but it's still worth exploring, it's still worth taking your time and going slow and building an arousal, Everybody's so different. So you might want more aggressive, fast sex, or want something where um, it's slower and it's um, it takes more time. So it's everybody's different.
0: That's excellent. Well, it it really is a, just a complicated topic, isn't it? It's one where we've got to be having conversation and listening. And I mean, I think we all just like to say, "Oh, well, this is just like changing oil in the car. Just tell me how to do it, and it's going to be fine." And every time I poke you in some way that way, you could come back to no, this is complex. You need to talk to your spouse. You need to you need to experiment and all that stuff. Or am, am, I, am I uh hearing you right, Emma?
1: Yes. Yeah. What we see too is that m- many men respond more to what we call spontaneous desire. So they can walk in and say, hey, I can have sex right now. Um, where a lot of women want more what we call responsive desire. They want something in their environment that responds. So like, let's have a conversation first or take a bath or let's do something else. That's not for all women and men, but, um, typically the way you want to be pursued is probably going to be different than the way your partner wants to be pursued. So if they're not responding to you the way that you typically, um, feel desire, talk to them because that doesn't mean that they don't have desire. It's just, they experience desire differently and might need something else in their environment to experience desire and arousal.
0: So what am I not asking, or what are we not talking about that we should be talking about as we come down the the final stretch here?
1: I think, so there there are three big pieces. I think we need to be way more curious. way more curious about not shutting off our arousal, um, being curious about our mind, body, what am I experiencing in my body? Don't shut it off, just be curious about it. Intimacy, being known and knowing our partner, having more of those experiences ending the shame around this, that I'm a bad person. If we can decrease the shame, if we can increase the intimacy, I think that there's, that's the key piece to a good sex life is intimacy and conversation. Your partner is the treasure to a good sex life. If you can just talk to them and you can understand what works for them and you can do the same, if I can love my partner best by what they're telling me, that's going to create a really great connection.
0: Emma, this has been utterly fantastic and sobering. And for some of us, depressing, but for all of us, I think incredibly, incredibly helpful. Wow. Thank you so much. If someone wants to follow up with your work or see what you got going on, any way people can, can track you down?
1: Yeah. So we um, have a website, emma-schmidt.com. We do a lot of educational experiences on our Instagram, which is emma-schmidt-sex-therapy. And then we have Facebook, emma Schmidt sex and relationship therapy or Emma Schmidt Associates I don't remember one of those
0: great Emma, you're, you're, you're a blessing and you're a gift thank you for doing yeah. what you're doing to help people and help couples And
1: thank you thanks for having me on and continuing to see this as a, an important to explore
0: absolutely who knows my wife and I might uh, actually my wife and I might actually pay you some money for a conversation next time thank you for helping
1: us <laughs> thank you